Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. November 26th, 1989, was the first occurrence of MTV Unplugged. All those rock songs that we had played too loud on the radio and people finally got sick of it and said, what would this sound like on an acoustic guitar without all the lights and all the showiness? The show, the show was based upon uh, a, a previous concept, an idea, Uh, by Martin Lewis and Pete Townsend. Uh, Paul McCartney made the format famous, and frankly, Eric Clapton made made greater sales and more money off of one of his performances on MTV Unplugged than he ever did before that. Uh, There's no question that it was popular. I think the question is, why was it popular? If we've spent all of our time trying to make music noisier and louder and more electric and more light-filled. Why, why were people so anxious for MTV Unplugged, quiet and acoustic and down-to-earth? Um, no bells, no whistles, no lights, no fancy sound systems. I, I, think that, I think the entire point was that we do get sick of all that noise. Uh, we want the simple music, the small audience, the calm setting. It, it feels more authentic. In a crazy, noisy world, people really want things to slow down, quiet down, uh, simplify. You know, drums and keyboards have their place, they're nice, but not all the time. Uh, sometimes we, we just need a little bit of a break. Sometimes we want to get away from the hassle, and so here we are at Christmas, and it's, it, you know, one of, the, one of the nice things of living in, in this part of 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 the U.S., which is a little more rural than places I've lived, like Minneapolis and, and Long Island, uh, it, it, the traffic's not quite so bad. Um, the, the stores are not quite so crowded. Some of those mall rushes. Uh, I used to do all my Christmas shopping, well, frankly, on December 24th. Uh, in, and, and the mall in Champaign, Illinois, on December 24th was an adventure. Absolutely it was. Uh, and, and chaotic. And, and, and that's what Chris, and Christmas is very chaotic and crazy and, and noisy and lights and dogs barking jingle bells and all of that noisy stuff. And, and yet that we know that that's not really what we want out of Christmas. We, I, was tell, I was telling James in Sunday school, my favorite part of Christmas is Christmas Day when the stores are closed and people stay home and you can get a nice book to read and some nice music and, 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 and it's quiet and, and a cup of tea. And, that, and that's kind of the, 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 my, my good memories of Christmas. Those, those, it's, not, it's not the mad dash through the mall to get your last minute shopping done. It's the quiet time. Um, it's, it's the chance to reflect on why we're really doing this. Uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. Our goal at church is not to be chaotic and crazy and, and noisy. It's to remember what Christmas is really all about. The reason 
uh, that we do this, the peace on earth, which it doesn't feel like a lot of times. The peace on earth, goodwill to men. Our goal is the presence, not presence under the tree, but the presence of Christ in our lives. So we are in Luke chapter 1 today. I want to start with verse 26 and read some of the Christmas story. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One, to be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said, and then the angel left her. Dear Santa, there are three boys in this house. There is Jeffrey, who is two. There is David, who is four. There is Norman, who is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. I'm Norman. (laughs) Dear Santa, you didn't bring me anything good last year. You didn't bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. (laughs) Signed, Albert. I kind of reminded for years, years and years. I, I was in high school, and I and I decided, uh, I, I, in school, you use a lot of pencils, and I like to write. Back then, I like to draw. I'm not any good. I gave it up because I wasn't any good. But I liked to draw back then, and I wanted an electric pencil sharpener, and, and I put it on my Christmas list, and I didn't get it. So the next year, I put it on the list, and and through the years, I just watched that electric pencil sharpener just rise through the list. For three or four years, I think all through college, it was the first thing on my list, and I never got it. Finally, then like finally, like the year after I graduated, I got two. So that's just kind of how that works, isn't it? Uh, kids treat Santa sometimes the way we treat God. He kind of becomes our cosmic wish list. Um, milk Kind of, a, kind of a cosmic milk and cookies. God, you haven't been good to me as you, as you should have been good to me. Look at all the things I've done this year. Look at how good I've been. You haven't been good enough to me. This is your last chance or I'm taking away the milk and cookies. And by that we mean our tithes and church attendance. I, I think we often do have this wrong idea of who God is. And I don't just mean non-Christians who definitely do. I think sometimes Christians get confused or, or mixed up in this. You know, I... I do think non. I th- I, you know, there, there's that old statement. I know you've heard. There are no atheists in the foxholes. I, I've seen that very, very true. Uh, 
there are an awful lot of people that they don't believe in God until they find themselves in critical need. And suddenly they find themselves desperately praying in hospitals or in tragic situations to someone that they refuse to acknowledge before. Um, I've never figured out. I, I typically turn down weddings for people that are not part of the church. And my line of reasoning is, if you don't go to church anywhere, why do you want it done in a church? Do you think, do you, think you can trick God into blessing your marriage? I mean, if it doesn't... Sorry, I know that means I'm sending them all to the courthouse, but uh, if, if you're part of the church, I, want to be, I, I, would, I would be honored to be part of your wedding. If, you, if I've never met you before you called me up to get a wedding done and I'll never see you after that, I, I just, I don't see that that does, does any real, any real, if anything, I'm, I'm terrified that it, that it reinforces this false belief on who God is, that he exists as a cosmic Santa that we can kind of trick into blessing our weddings, and, and, and that's not who God is. Uh, my, my, my brother, my, I have a brother, I, I haven't seen him for a long time, um, my brother and I both used to live in Urbana, Illinois, and my grandparents, my dad's parents, lived in Urbana, Illinois. And that was kind of a joy there at the end of my, uh, in, in my grandfather's case in particular, at the end of his life. My, my brother, who, who, who uh, struggles with staying in contact with people and, and staying close to people, would visit my grandparents when he needed something, and they commented on that any time they kind of looked forward a little bit to the fact that every now and then he would be in a time of need because then they knew that they could see him again. Otherwise, he wouldn't go across town to visit them. I, but that's not just him. I had, a, I had a friend, a really good friend in southern Illinois who, uh, and, and I saw him every week. We bought comic books at the same store on the same day, and so I always ran into him on, on Thursdays. Uh, but whenever the phone would ring and caller ID would have his name, I would, ju- I would just get this sinking feeling because he never called to say hi. He only called because he needed something. And every time, uh, and, and finally I had to just tell him, you, you, you're giving me anxiety when you call me because you just can't ever call to say hi. You always need something. Now, I don't want to be that person with people. I don't want to be that person that only calls you or says hi when I need something. That's not friendship, and that's that, that's kind. Of, but I really don't want to be that person with God, and I don't want to approach God only when I need something, only when there's a problem. And I think that's human nature that people are. We have, we have to work against that. So I'm not picking on on my brother or that friend of mine in Southern Illinois because. I think that that's just normal, but I don't want to be normal. I, I want to be better than that. I want, I want especially with God, I, I want to be mature in my relationship with him and not treat him as cosmic Santa wish list. Um, I don't want to just come to church when I need a spiritual boost. I don't want to just pray to God when things are going wrong. Um, and, and if things are really, really going wrong, maybe crack open my Bible as well to try to trick God into, into blessing me even, even more. You know, that, that comment was made, of course, as long, there will always be prayer in school as long as there are pop quizzes. Uh, there's probably some truth to that. There, there will always be prayer in our nation as long as we have elections <laughs> um, and economies and pandemics now and, and, and bills and taxes and 
and all the other problems of life. But I don't want prayer to be that. Where's the praise? Where's the thanksgiving? So, I, 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 on the one hand, I don't want to be the kind of person that only goes to God when I've got a problem. And I don't want to be the kind of person that simply, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need this. But, the other, but there's another side to that. There's a flip side that's also wrong. And, and there's the person that comes to church every week. They come on Sunday morning and they come on Sunday night. And they go to the midweek Bible study. And they read their Bible and they sing their songs. And they pray. And they maybe pray many times a day. And they pray about cancer and kids starving in Africa and world peace, which happens to be the three subjects every Miss America brings up in her acceptance speech as well. And I don't want to, and I don't want it to sound like that. I don't, I, I don't want to be that level of, of disconnected, um, that I only bring up these big things with God, which may be good things. You know, I, I do want God to bring world peace, and I, and, and I, do, I would love to see a cure for cancer. Of course I would. Uh, but, but these are the people that say, when, when something's going wrong and when they get stuck in traffic, well, I don't want to pray to God about that because I don't want to bother him with the little stuff. That's not a healthy attitude. I come to my wife with little stuff all the time because she's my wife and she's my best friend and, 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 and she wants to hear the little stuff and I want to hear the little stuff from her and I don't, and, and, and God wants the little stuff from us. I, I love it when my daughter comes to tell me silly little things. Um, the silly little things are what our relationship is based upon, not just the big stuff. Um, it's in the little details of life that relationships grow. And God cares about the little details of my life, and he wants me to talk with him about the little personal stuff and not just the big stuff. Um, I, I, that kind of person is not honest with who they are with God. And that includes conversations about doubts and struggles um, they, they may be in some, such a person's often in some kind of denial on where their faith is. They may have struggles, but in not admitting that they have struggles, they're hoping that those struggles go away. But that's not the way that you make that go away. Um, pretending that a problem isn't there isn't how things go away. Uh, we, let, we, we need to let God know. And so neither one of those relationships is a healthy relationship. Both attitudes, both attitudes are wrong. So with that said, I want, to, I want to keep reading where we left off in Luke chapter 1, and I want to look at more of the example that Mary sets us in a trusting relationship with God. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. (coughs) His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I, I would argue this prayer is, there's no question this prayer is one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. Is it the most beautiful? Maybe. Uh, it is an inspiration to us and has been for 2,000 years. And here we see, I think, I really believe, here we see Mary's true character and why out of anyone on earth throughout history, God chose this woman. He has been mindful to the, of the humble state of his servant, she says. So here's my question, and there's no outline in the bulletin this time around because I have no outline. This is not a three-point sermon where everything is alliterative or rhymes. I just have a point today, a, a question. Uh, are, are we humble servants? Uh, what, why is humility important? Uh, let's break it down and be simple and ask that question. In a, in a, in a, in a day that distracts us from everything else, why is humility important? We live in a day when we call attention to ourselves and, and, and blow our own horn and, and brag about ourselves. And, and you've got to brag about yourself because no one else will, right? We want, we want credit to where it's due. So I, I think I've said this before, but, but I'm sure there are so many things I do that have to drive my wife crazy. Absolutely. But surely one of those is that I watch the credits at movies. That's got to drive her crazy. It has not made things easier that Marvel Comics and all these Marvel superhero movies put two scenes, one in the middle of the credits and one at the end of the credits. And all of these new Avengers movies, for all of you that have been walking out when you thought the movie was over, you've missed the fun scenes. Um, and, 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 I, and certainly I enjoy waiting for those, but I do watch the credits. At least, at least I like watching who the actors and the actresses are in the movies. And I think I've explained that I enjoy the Kevin Bacon game and that that's why I do this. Because, because I pay attention to who's in what movie and I used to play that game in, in college. And, it, and credits, watch a black and white movie. Watch an Errol Flynn movie and watch how long those credits are. And watch a movie now. And you can't read the credits. The script, I, I can't. Except for the actors that are big enough to read. The, the print is so small, I can't even read the names. And they fly by and I think... Am I the only person on earth that wasn't in that movie? Because the list of names is thousands long now. Back in the days of, of Errol Flynn and, and, and the early Marlon Brando movies, I think they had 15 people involved in movies. Now it's just enormous, and I can't believe you know, and the And the guy that brought a drink to the reservist boom mic operator gets listed in the, in, in the credits, and it's incredible to me because everybody wants credit. Everybody wants to be listed, and everybody wants credit um, you know, what's, what's wrong with, with getting a little respect and puffing yourself up just a little bit and championing your cause? What's wrong with taking pride in a job well done? Well, Proverbs, 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, we read that God opposes the proud, and He gives grace to the humble. Pride is a funny thing. I read of a, uh, of a sheriff in Duval County, Sheriff Carson in Duval County, uh, Cal- uh, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, um, that the prison had a problem that people were, the, that the inmates were trying to get in trouble and trying to cause trouble so that they could get in solitary confinement, so that they could get punished and be on bread and water, uh, and it kind of became a bragging rights on how long they had been uh, on, you know, they, you, you, were, you were more dangerous and more, uh, more a bad boy uh, if, if you put up with this, and that certainly wasn't encouraging people to be better behaved. And if the story that I read about this is true, uh, the, uh, uh, the prison, uh, uh, the head of the prison, uh, Sheriff Carson, or, or whatever his position was, uh, came up with a novel solution to this. If you went into solitary confinement, your diet was replaced with baby food, which has all the nutritional requirements that you need and is hard to brag about. <laughs> uh, and that people ate it uh, for, because they were starving otherwise, and people quit bragging about living on bread and water and, and being in solitary confinement because it's hard to brag about baby food. Uh, uh, why did God choose Mary? I think she was the most qualified woman who ever lived. Uh, her attitude is exemplary. And I'm not one of these people, as you know, uh, that spends staggering amounts of time talking about Mary. She's not mentioned a whole lot in the Bible. And, and churches that spend too much time focusing on Mary get a little nervous because she's only in a few chapters. But what we read about her is pretty amazing. Her attitude is flawless uh, through this. And, and I think every single person can say, we wouldn't handle this with this level of maturity. A pregnant girl, in, a girl engaged to be married, a virgin, pops up pregnant. The, the shame that this would cause, because nobody could, would believe her. I mean, nobody in the community would say, oh yeah, God, God did that. Uh, you know, she literally has to hide out at least for three months with her cousin uh, Elizabeth her attitude through this is not, oh, why me? Uh, God, I have some concerns about this plan. Her attitude is simply, I am your humble servant. You know, uh, Mary is an example of holiness. And by that I mean someone who belongs to God. Uh, if the definition of holiness is belonging to God, of being His, is there a better example than Mary? At this holiday season, when we look, she, she was his. She was completely his. And rather than draw attention to herself, she is a humble servant. And she praises God uh, for what he's doing even in her humble life. She served as mother of God on earth. She was most favored of women and she is humble about it. You know, and we read in this passage about visiting Elizabeth, who was also blessed to be John the Baptist's mother. And incidentally... If you want a single passage on why I think abortion is evil, uh, this passage alone is sufficient for me. John at six months uh, is not a fetus. He's a baby. Uh, He recognizes that he's in the presence of Mary and Jesus. And the Bible is very clear that, that John is John at this point. 
and that he that that he is a baby who reacts to the presence of being in, in in the presence of the Christ. Holiness is belonging to God. Uh, Zachariah, John's dad, Elizabeth's husband, when when Zachariah, who is an old man, is told, "Hey, good news," <laughs> the angel says, "Your wife is about to have a baby." Uh, Zachariah's reaction is not. We are your servants. <laughs> Zechariah says, I have some questions. I have some doubts. I have some concerns. How is this going to even work out at our... And the angel says, well, it's going to work out, and you're not going to speak for nine months because you doubted. Now, that doesn't mean Zechariah... Let me be clear. Zechariah is a good person. Uh, God picked him and his wife for a reason. He is a holy man. I, I, he, he, is, uh, he, he is a really good person. I believe that. But I also think that he's a human and he's normal, and he has the same questions and doubts and concerns that I would have had. I think Zachariah is a great person, great to the point of, but still normal. I think Mary takes it a step beyond. I think, I think she is exemplary, and in in, she doesn't have the doubts. She doesn't have the concerns. She doesn't have the worries. She is God's humble servant and trusts him that he will handle everything. I want to learn her lesson, to trust in the faithfulness of God, to let him exalt me in due course. Humility is a lesson that we could all use. None of us are as important as we think. Uh, in most surveys, the greatest invention uh, in the course of human medicine uh, routinely comes up that the greatest medical invention ever is anesthetic. And I think that's a hard one to argue with. Uh, anesthetic was invented by Dr. James Simpson in Edinburgh in uh, 1847. When asked, what's the greatest uh, discovery in your opinion? Uh, it, uh, we assume that anesthetic is the greatest discovery of your life. Dr. Simpson said the greatest discovery was my need for Jesus. Uh, I, I respect that humility. Copernicus, the father of modern mathematics and astronomy, uh, he opened the heavens, he discovered the movements of the planets and orbits. Atheists hold him up as an enemy of the church, but he was, quite frankly, just the opposite. Uh, he was quite devout to the, uh, to the church back then. He studied, studied church law served the church for 30 years, took minor orders within the Catholic Church. Uh, it is said, and I don't know if this is true, it may be apocryphal, but it is said that on his deathbed he said, uh, I do not want, uh, I, I do not need the kindness given to Paul, I just need the grace given to Peter. I just need the forgiveness given to the thief on the cross next to Jesus. Zechariah didn't fully trust God. Uh, again, perfectly human, normal guy. There are times that I have my doubts. There are times that I have my concerns. I'm not trying to, trying to, to say that Zachariah was a bad person. If anything, he was a good person. Uh, but he had his doubts. Mary, her trust in God is incredible. Uh, Mary had faith. Uh, worry, which we see in Zachariah, and I see in my life too often, Worry is the opposite of faith. It's what we want to get rid of. When we worry, we're saying that God cannot be trusted to work it all out. That this lack of faith 
is not healthy. When we worry, it's like me saying, by worrying, I can somehow do more than God can without my worrying. Sounds like pride. Trusting in God is dependence on him, and this is humility. In Exodus, God told Moses, I need you to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses' response was, only if you go with us. And he did. And the end of the book of Matthew, the last words in the book of Matthew, when Jesus has come back to give final instructions to his disciples, and he says, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's the point of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. If God is with us, we have no need for the praise of men. If God is on our side, we don't need their attention. Uh, We can be humble. We can trust in him and in him alone. Not ourselves, not our world, just a quiet relationship between us and God, and that's what we're biblically called to have. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 186, I believe. If you haven't chosen to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, let me assure you that this alone saves, and there is no other salvation other than the name of Jesus uh, if you're not sure, I'd like to talk with you. Uh, let's, let's talk about what it means to be saved, saved to God through Jesus. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.